Welcome to the Greg Larson Show. We got a little treat for you in this episode. I am really hard at work on my new live show. It's called Revolting. It's coming It's coming to you. Um, there's going to be a bunch of shows. I've just done Perth, but I'm going to Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney, and Brisbane, um, which are all should be on sale now. Um, get your tickets. Um, but I'm also going to be coming to Wellington for the first time ever. Uh, Wellington in May dates TBC, but very, very soon you will be um, told about it. You know, you'll be told. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll post about it. I'll tweet about it, or X about it, or threads about it. I'll thread up, and I'll thread them through to you. But even more exciting than Wellington is London. That's right, I'm coming back to London. Are there any UK fans listening to this show? I don't know. Hopefully, um, I'll be coming to London and I'll be going to Edinburgh. I'm doing London. I'm doing Edinburgh. It's a world tour, baby. This is this is Greg Global Larson. We're going global. We're, we're going world tour, globalization, World War Three. Get them down. Come on up to the big show. Um... But anyway, the show's called Revolting. I'm begging you to buy tickets. I'm begging you to come. I'm begging you to see it. I love you so much. But for now, um, as a very special treat, this is a previous show of mine, a show called We All Have Bloody Thoughts. Uh, This show I did in 2022. Um, This particular one was recorded at Comedy Republic in Melbourne, and it's a good show. It's a good show. I got I got it nominated for an award. I got a four-star four reviews, a five-star reviews probably. I People came. People were loving it. Hello, Dad. I made a good show for you. So listen to this. This is We All Have Bloody Thoughts. I will say it does end quite abruptly, and it kind of starts quite abruptly because I had to edit out copyright music that I used in the live show. But there's, you're not missing out on anything. At the end, I just, like, the only thing you're missing out on is me going, thanks for coming, everybody. And at the start, you, is me going, thanks for coming, everybody. And you've already heard that with this. Anyway, get tickets to my new show, Revolting at a City Near You. Um, but this is my other show, We All Have Bloody Thoughts. Have a listen. The Greg Larson Show. The big unit is ready to go. The Greg Larson Muck around on the Mazapan A fresh custard in his hand The greatest podcast in all the land Greg Larson Show Great, just what we need, another podcast show Thanks so much for coming to the show. I want to get straight into it. I want to talk about the issues. What are the issues? I'll tell you. <laughs> the other day, I was recently at a food court McDonald's, um, a place called Northland Shopping Centre. <laughs> Thank you so much. Local reference. Hello. Um, I'm good comedy man. I was at the Northland sh- uh, Shopping Centre getting some food called McDonald's and something happened to me while I was there, while I was waiting for my order that I want to tell you about, right? And to sort of set the scene, I'm standing there at the Northland McDonald's food court waiting for my triple cheeseburger. And I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, but I'm a man who knows his way around the McDonald's menu. (laughs) And the triple cheeseburger, that's my joint. I've loved the triple cheeseburger from the day it dropped. I remember when the triple cheeseburger first appeared on the Australian shores. It was a watershed moment for me and my life's journey, right? It was back in the 90s, I remember the triple cheeseburger first appearing because it was accompanied by a promotion, a special promotion where you could get a free triple cheeseburger if you went to McDonald's and said the triple cheeseburger tongue twister. (laughs) And that was choose the cheesy cheese of the triple cheese, I was choosing the choose the cheese, cheese, cheese and the triple cheese of McDonald's. (laughs) Oh, oh no, thank you so much, oh my God. (laughs) That poem made me the man I am today. A man with crippling anxiety who moments ago was Googling the symptoms of colon cancer. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
wish that was a lie. Um, I got anxiety. I, <laughs> I, um, no, and I remember when the triple cheeseburger first dropped, right? I remember when I was a kid, because mum and dad, they would never let us get McDonald's. They'd never let us get McDonald's. Um, they'd be like, well, what's all this Mac? This dad would just be like, McDonald's, it's unhealthy. It's Mac, it's not healthy. We got healthy food at home. Just eat some ham. Just have some healthy cubes of ham. Cubes of ham and cubes of cheese. That's what we were raised on. So I, like, I never got McDonald's, but now they didn't have the power. I was only 10 years old, I didn't have any money, but I had a song in my heart. And I knew that as a family, we were going to the local McDonald's in a week's time. So I had a week to prepare, just rehearsing the tongue twister, trying to get it right, you know. I'm walking around the backyard, practicing, choose the cheesy cheese. I'm at the playground on the slide, choose the cheesy cheese. I'm writing in the bathroom mirror like Goodwill Hunting, you know, choose the cheesy cheese. <laughs> and finally, the big day comes. And I get to the McDonald's at the food court and I'm, I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm terrified. I'm walking into the McDonald's. The woman behind the counter, she looks like she's about 20 feet tall. Um, you know, she's probably about 14 years old, but she was just like towering over me. And I'm just so scared. I'm just like, this is my one shot. This is my one chance. This is my only moment. Mum's spaghetti. I'm there. I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, what do I do? If I get this wrong, I don't get my triple cheeseburger, right? And I walk up to the counter, I look her dead in the eye, and I'm just like... <sighs> Choose the cheese... And she goes, just have it. Just have the fucking burger. <laughs> and I've never looked back since. I'm a big boy. I, yeah. I just <laughs> it's ruined my life. That moment, that promotion ruined my life. It did. It was a watershed moment in my life's journey. It was my 9-11. It was a terrible... It should be illegal to market anything to children. It should be illegal. And it got in my mind at a young age and it, it wrecked my life. You know, like, I think marketing to children is so evil. I genuinely think the three most evil inventions in the history of the human species are the nuclear bomb, I don't know, the electric chair, and the baby chino. You know what I mean? Like, that is, that is an evil genius at work who's just been in a cafe, seen all these families, looking at the mums and the bubs and going, look at these fucking bubs, they're just dead weight. They're nothing but dead weight. Get them fucking spending. How can we get these little bastards, the second they slide out the womb, get a fucking dollar going? How can I get a baby addicted to caffeine and not get in trouble? How can I do that? And the baby Chino was born. It's the same principle as candy cigarettes. You know, candy cigarettes, they're not real cigarettes, but they're these like little candy cigarettes to get kids used to the idea of dairy culture. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's like, oh, you can be a big grown up boy just like your dad and smoke cigarettes and stare at the sun all day. Like, and baby Chino is the same thing. It's like, it's not real caffeine, but it's getting kids used to the idea of coffee culture to get them hooked at a young age. It's like, you can be all grown up just like your mum and have a big sweet coffee drink and cry every time you're on the phone to your sister. Right? <laughs> so anyway, like the baby Chino, Maccas at, at this point have locked me in, right? It's um, 28 odd years later. I'm standing there at the McDonald's. Northland, waiting for my triple cheeseburger and my 24 nuggets. <laughs> and Well, because here's the thing. <laughs> here's the other thing, right? Because I go up there asking, I just said, can I have a triple cheeseburger and six nuggets? I, well, I, I mean, I didn't say that. I said uh, the usual, thanks, Jace. And he went, all right, this way. They have a little VIP section for me. And they said, well, will sir be sucking on the soft serve machine today? Uh, yes, I believe I will. <laughs> That's why whenever you go to a Macca's and they say, sorry, the ice cream machine is down for cleaning. Nah, I'm sucking on the cream. I <laughs> put a little pillow out for me. I'm just chugging away. Um, but no, I, so I went in there and I said, can I have six nuggets and a triple cheeseburger? And the guy said, yeah, you could have six nuggets, but we're doing a promotion. And I was like, oh, not again. Like, I can't survive. I can't survive another Macca's promotion. And he goes, yeah, we're doing a promotion where... For an extra dollar, you could get 24 nuggets. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm only one man. Like, yes, I will take that. Like, 24 nuggets for 9.95. At that point, you're making money. Like, that is now profit territory. I don't understand it exactly. It's like crypto. It's NFTs. It's like, it's profit. So I've got to get on the story. So I, anyway, I'm standing there at the McDonald's. I'm waiting for my triple cheeseburger and my 48 nuggets. And if you... 
If you're gonna get ten, if you're gonna if you're gonna get twenty-four, you might as well get forty-eight. It's, it's surprisingly easy. It's just like fuck. I can say I'm making money. I'm telling you. Um, and I'm. I wish that was a lie too. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying this is a hundred percent true story. I'm sitting there waiting for my absurd amount of nuggets and my triple cheeseburger. And from behind, a kid sees me. Right, some strange little kid who thinks I'm his dad from behind and comes running up to me and hugs me from behind, thinking that I am his dad. And I don't know what to do, right? Because I just sort of, at first I thought I'm getting busted for the nuggets. And then I look down and there's this kid there. And he's just fixated on the McDonald's menu for a moment, just going, Dad, 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 can I please have a Happy Meal? Dad, please, Dad, please, Dad, please. And I just sort of silently stared at the kid for a bit. Then he looked up at me and we made eye contact. And he gave me a look that, to my mind, seemed to say, Hey, this is not my dad. <laughs> and then he started screaming. And then he ripped his arms off from around my waist and ran off into the food court, fleeing from me, screaming and crying. And I don't have, like, a joke about this. <laughs> I just want you guys to hear my side of the story, you know? Like, I didn't do nothing. I just want to get in front of this thing before it hits the papers, you know? Greasy Greg grabbing around. I didn't do nothing. I am not a pedophile. I am not a pedophile. Just because I'm a big guy, I spend a lot of time in EB games and I sometimes wear a captain's hat. I'm not a pedophile. Thanks for coming to the show. I <laughs> people say, how was he? You go, great. In the first five minutes, Greg confidently assured us that he wasn't a pedophile <laughs> and put our minds at ease. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing that happened, right? This, that, that really did happen. Here's the other thing that happened that sounds unbelievable, but I promise you it's true. The kid ran off and found his real dad almost immediately. Almost immediately his real dad, he found him. His dad had evidently seen the whole thing happen and he thought it was piss funny. <laughs> real dad was laughing. But the thing about this kid's real dad, his real dad... He was a much, much slimmer <laughs> Southeast Asian man. <laughs> this kid's a fucking dumb cunt. Like, even if I was a pedophile, I'd have some standards, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'll tell you another story. I um, was recently at a Red Rooster drive-thru. <laughs> Thank you so much. There's a theme to the show. Um, I was at a Red Rooster drive through and I was at the and I was at the Red Rooster drive through just getting gravy. <laughs> that's not the part. That's not the story. That's the truth. And <laughs> this this isn't a joke. The reason I was getting gravy is because I already had some KFC and I prefer the Red Rooster gravy. <laughs> I wish that was a lie. So I was at the Red Rooster, I just rock up to the auto and I'm just, gravy, gravy! And they're like, oh, the gravy man's here. They send me through. No, but sure, I was at the Red Rooster drive-through getting my gravy because I'm a big boy and I love to party. And I was, there's a, a sign, a printed out paper sign in the window of the Red Rooster drive-through. This is a true thing that I saw. And the sign said, and I quote, word for word, please do not spit or deliberately cough on our staff members. That is abuse. And that had evidently happened to the staff at the Red Rooster to the point that one of them had gone, all right, fire up the bubble jet. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to have to put a sign up or something, put some clip art on it, I don't know, like, put please in front of it, see if we can get these people to stop spitting and coughing in our faces on purpose. And I read that sign and I just thought, Jesus Christ, this country, it's finally back to normal. We're back in business. We had two years of being locked down in the pandemic. Being like, and we had to pretend for two years, oh, we care about the workers and your mental health. Then it's like, all right, pandemic's over. Get back in your fucking chicken hole and cook me some chicken while I spit in your face, you minimum wage fuck. You're lucky you're not a teacher or a nurse or we'd bash ya. Skymo, Skymo! <laughs> Maybe that's 
And that's my impersonation of the Australian public. I, maybe I'm too cynical a person. Maybe I'm too, I'm too cynical and bad a person. I, I, all I'm saying is like, we, oh fuck, we've had a hard couple of years. We have had a hard couple of years. I don't need to tell you that. We're in and out of lockdown and a global pandemic for two years. And all, I, all I'm saying is the only thing worse than living through a pandemic and living through lockdowns like that, the most lockdown city in the world, the only thing worse than that is just any normal retail job. Like that's, <laughs> and it is worse. Like I've, like I've worked at Kmart, I went through the lockdown. If you asked me to do a year of one of them, lockdown in a heartbeat, I wouldn't even think about it. I didn't, I, I was in the lockdown, I worked at Kmart, I didn't, the whole time of the lockdown, I didn't have to clean a weird kid's shit up once. <laughs> two times at Kmart, two times. Like. One time the kid was like nine years old as well. Like, what is he doing? He was just walking with his mum. This is true, this is true. He was walking with his mum and then just like a nugget of shit just sort of fell out of his shorts. I'm not kidding. And look, the woman literally, she literally looked at the kid and then looked at the shit and then looked at me and then went, come on. The man will clean that up. And that was the first time in my life that I'd ever been called a man. <laughs> Lockdown was sick. Like, fucking read, like every job I've ever had, like I, yeah, I felt isolated, I felt alone. Whole lockdown, I did, I felt isolated and alone. We all did. But I once had a call center job, like an entry level call center job, and I had to have a meeting one day with my team leader and the floor manager because they had been timing how long I was spending on the toilet. And we had to have a meeting where together, as a group, we discussed ways to reduce my toilet time. <laughs> and I felt very isolated, like more so than any point during the pandemic. Like in the pandemic, it was a different kind of isolation. It was more the kind of isolation where I was, you know, it was 11 o'clock at night and I was standing on my kitchen counter, you know, just really, really, just really high on edibles, right? And just sort of dancing backwards and forwards to the Sopranos theme song whilst holding a stick of salami and pretending it was a cigar going, look, I'm the new Sopranos character, Tony Pepperoni. You know, like that's... I'm just saying, I didn't have to call Lifeline one time. The whole lockdown... I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, I've called Lifeline a couple of times in my life. I, did, I called Lifeline the day of my toilet time meeting. I really did. Because you have to. I was 31 years old at the time. I, and when you're 31 years old and having a meeting with your 22-year-old team leader, well, she's telling you about your toilet time and you're sitting there going, oh, I, mean, I guess I could try some Metamucil. There is no God. There's no God. Help, Lifeline. I'm in dire straits. I need help now. Emergency. The lockdown was harder than mental health, but fuck, so was every job I've ever had. Every job I had was shit. Apart from comedy, this is actually all right. But like, <laughs> this job's cool. I, but I once worked, I once worked at a shop in Queensland. It was like an electronic store called Wow Sight and Sound. Um, and it was like, it's basically a Queensland version of JB Hi-Fi, um, which I guess is just JB Hi-Fi, but all the staff are, you know, on their spare time standing around the break room doing bubblers. Um, there's a few laughs, maybe a few Queenslanders, and I think I have to explain what a bubbler is now, but um, in the game of NRL, which you Southerners don't really understand, sometimes um, the players will piss into their own mouth, and you might be saying, what's the context there? And I'm like, I, I, you just don't understand the game. Like, you don't understand the game that we love. <laughs> the origin. Um, Fuck, it was good the other week. Anyway, um, Queenslander. Um, so I worked at Wow. <laughs> every Queenslander was just something, a Queenslander. Uh, I worked at Wow Sight and Sound. It's like a dodgy electronics superstore. They never, like, they never paid their staff. They never paid like superannuation. They always paid like, you know, there's a lot of stolen wages, stuff going on. They were dodgy, right? And one day I was working at this shop. And I'll never forget this day. There was a hailstorm, the likes of which I had never seen before or since in my life. Like when I went outside, the hail was like up to your knees, right? It was, it was full on. And it sounded like machine guns going off in the store, like the hail just pounding on the roof. And I remember looking up at the roof, at the light fixture, and seeing water streaming through the light fixture, like a waterfall of water. And then in another light fixture, another light fixture. And I went to the manager, right? Because I'm not like an electric no-stuff guy. <laughs> which I probably should have been because I've worked in an electronics store. But I... I went to the manager and I said, hey, there's water coming through electric bits. 
surely that's a bad deal? Like, that's... We should be closed, shouldn't we? And the manager was like, nah, nah, nah. nah. And just for, for reference, though, the manager um, in his spare time was an Elvis impersonator. And that's not, like, relevant. It's, it's just, like, shorthand for me to say he was a fuckwit, right? Like, so he was, like... And he was like, no, 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 just keep it open, keep it open, keep it open. He's, he was running up and down the aisles, literally going, come on, boys, push the sales, sell the extended warranties, sell the iPods, sell the plasmas. I'm like, who the fuck are we selling to? It's 8 p.m. on a Monday night. The only people in the store were just a handful of weird plasma dads, right? And anyone who worked in a JB Hi-Fi circa 2004 will know there was always just weird dads wandering around the plasma department just going like, plasma, plasma, and then, oh, LCD, LCD, no, plasma, plasma only. They'd look good in the bar I'm building, you know, like they'd, they'd walk around and you'd go up and you'd try and sell them a plasma, but you can't sell them a plasma because they already own four plasmas. They're not there to buy a plasma. They're there to talk to you for an hour about plasma technology because they don't want to go home because they hate their family, right? So, so anyway, it's just me and the plasma dads in the store. It's, it's just, it's, it's, and then I literally, I'll never forget this. I remember going into the computer department where heaps of water was coming in through light fixtures and I looked up at the roof and I saw in the roof a crack go like, like a pier in the roof, in like this sort of plaster, whatever it's called in the roof, the roof stuff. And I literally just yelled, everyone get the fuck out. And people sort of looked up and went, oh shit. And then we started running out of the store. And then a huge chunk of roof literally sort of came in sort of sideways and it swung in and smashed into all these computer departments, all these computers. And then like another chunk smashed into all these plasmas. The dad started wailing. You know, we're <laughs> we start running out and there's more chunks coming in, smashing the stairs. It's like me and the plasma dads just running along, just like beer bellies tucked into polo shirts, jiggling around. It was the worst Indiana Jones you've ever seen. Not, not as bad as the fourth one, actually. And, and then we finally, we get out of the store. We literally just get out of the store, just in time to turn around and see the rest of the roof completely collapse. The whole roof collapsed in an instant, destroying millions of dollars worth of equipment. We could have all been killed. And we just made it out in time. And I remember that so vividly. Because looking back at that ruined wreckage of the store, out of all the jobs I've ever had, that was the only good memory. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because it was like, I remember looking at it, and then my first thought was, I'm gonna get a week off work for sure. Like, I saw the manager cry, that was funny. He cried. And he drove a fucking Mercedes, I don't know what kind of Mercedes, like a big flash Mercedes. And I saw him in the parking lot crying in his Mercedes and I caught the bus home smiling all the way. <laughs> I loved it. Because that's the thing, this whole pandemic, I, like, I think, you know, they never asked, they always seem to ask the CEOs and captains of industry and big industry boys what they thought about workplaces being shut down. And they're like, oh no, you've got to get them back in. They're workers, they're like rats, they need their cheese, you need them. They can't function on their own, you know, like. And I mean, you just, I just never saw, I don't think I ever saw the whole time, like, it was always someone who owned a business. It was never like a frontline worker, a minimum wage worker, you know, an entry level worker. I think there's a lot of different opinions that a lot of different people would have, you know, but I think there's a chance that someone might have said, oh, you know what? No one's spitting in my face, I'm getting the disaster payment. I don't have to look up every morning at the ceiling fan and think, if I put my hand through that, would I get a day off work? <laughs> you know, like... But, like, I say, I can't, like, pretend, oh, it was fine. Like, it was, like, no, it was obviously bad for everyone's mental health. It was. It was fucking psycho. But, like, it, the funny thing is, it was the first time in history that I saw conservatives, people in the Liberal Party, people in the National Party, on the news, in the lockdown, going, you know what? Mental health. They're saying the words mental health. First time I'd ever heard them say the words mental health without adding in front of it, we need to cut funding too. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, suddenly, suddenly, oh, we care about the workers and their mental health. That's our number one priority is their mental health. Where was your concern for my mental health back when I worked at Wow Sight and Sound the year that the Crazy Frog remix came out? <laughs> Just like months of I cannot get right since that I'm fucked in the mind. 
Where was your concern for my mental health that I worked as a picker-packer in a warehouse with this guy who was obsessed with the movie Cheaper by the Dozen 2 and every day he'd go, hey man, can I just tell you one thing about the movie Cheaper by the Dozen 2? No, Jason, get away, you smell like gravy. Like, where was your concern for my mental health when I was painting houses with my uncle that one summer and at the house I was painting, there were these kids, this family, and the young brother and the sister, they were like 10 years old, and every time the parents left the room, the brother and the sister would start tongue-kissing. It's true. It fucking happened. And I'm just standing there, just fucking... Oh, nah, man. I don't... I've got a duty of care here, or like... I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but your kids are full kissing, eh? Like... It's fucking rough out there. In the hot Queensland sun, painting a house, watching the kids kiss. I was stressed about money during the pandemic. I was really stressed about money. As soon as the pandemic hit, I was like, fuck, I'm stressed about money. Before the pandemic hit, though, before I'd even heard about COVID, I was really stressed about money. Um, probably more so, actually, because I was, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? I had debt collectors calling me. I had no income. I was like, fuck, I'm fucked. I need a, I need a pandemic to save me here. <laughs> and then my prayers were answered. Like, I, fucking, I want to kiss whoever ate that bat. You know, like, I... <laughs> a big old lick um i i don't know why i said that or why i said it like that I, because like when the pandemic hit right i i mean i'm a pessimist i will admit that and i i did think we were a week away from a mad max type post-apocalypse and i thought that was pretty cool because i like you know people worried about their assets and their you know assets and I don't know what an asset is exactly. Like, I don't know if I have one. Is a PlayStation an asset? Maybe, I don't know. But like, I was like, I don't really have any, I don't have a Dow Jones. I don't have a, <laughs> a red line on the news that goes up and down at the end. I don't know what that is, but I don't have any of it. <laughs> but what I do have is like a board, like a big hardwood board with a couple of nails in it. And like, I figured, you know, if society's gonna collapse, I don't have any assets and stuff, but I do, I'm a big guy, I got a board with a nail in it, I'm sort of well placed to sort of position myself as a bit of a goblin king, you know, like... <laughs> going forward, that was sort of my financial plan, is to sort of... Oh, we control the water, you know, and like... Bleh, a thing of skulls. <laughs> so I was feeling quite good, and I, and I got a call from a debt collector like at about April, like in the pandemic when it first hit, when things were first getting bad. And I had all this newfound Goblin King confidence <laughs> because the, uh, the world was going to shit. And I was like, and I literally, and normally when a debt collector calls, I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll figure something out. But now I just went, nah, I'm not gonna pay you. And the guy literally went like, what, what do you mean you're not gonna pay me? I'm just like, I'm not gonna pay you. Like, I'm just not gonna pay you. Like, have you seen the news, dude? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, you still have to pay. And I'm like, well, sucks to be you because I'm not paying. And I literally just kept saying, I'm not going to pay. And he's like, well, we can take steps. I'm like, please take the steps. Like, I'm, I got nothing to do. Like, oh, <laughs> tell me what the steps are. I go and take them. He's like, we can get a judge to garnish your wages. And I'm like, what wages? What wages? What judge? Name the judge. You don't know a judge. And then he's going, oh, we can declare you bankrupt. We can seize your assets. I'm like, I don't know what an asset is, but I'll tell you what. And I said this to him, I said, you will never get your money. I said, I will put every single thing I own in my 2008 Honda and I will burn it to the ground. I will burn it to the ground. And just to make sure you don't get a cent, I will get inside myself and I will die with a smile on my face knowing that I straight up stole your money, Commonwealth Bank. I stole your money. I read the Banking Royal Commission. You're all just thieves and dogs yourselves. Jerry Harvey stole 21 million in JobKeeper. I went into Harvey Norman and stole a bunch of SD cards. <laughs> Fuck you, hung up. <laughs> and I think that debt is gone now. I don't know, I haven't heard anything since. I don't... Seems like a problem solved. I will admit at this point in the show that I am... Um, I am somewhat melodramatic. <laughs> I am aware that I can go on a bit. 
my partner, for example, she like when I came up with that baby Chino bit, I was in a cafe and I saw a baby or a toddler drinking a baby Chino. And I was like, what is this baby Chino shit? And she was like, can you just let a toddler drink a cup of warm milk? I was like, no, babies have had it too good for too long. I'm sick of this shit. Like, I'm aware that I'm a bit of a psycho. I'm aware that some of the things I say on stage and online can come across as a bit quote-unquote deranged or quote-unquote unhinged or quote-unquote a clear and direct threat of violence against a current sitting member of parliament. You know, like... <laughs> George Christensen. Um, he is a pedophile. Um, look it up. And so... Why doesn't he want the letters from the AFP? Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> I, I'm aware that I am I am a stereotype. I am a stereotype. I'm a stereotype of a fat, white, angry psycho who goes on Reddit and plays a lot of video games. Like, I know that I am that psycho. I am that fucking stereotype. And I don't want to be that stereotype. But I just... I just have so much hate in my heart. <laughs> and I'm just so angry all the time. I can't... I'm choking on it. I just... I just and I don't want to be like that. But I just... Like, I hate myself... I hate myself, I hate my own people. Like, but my own people, a perfect example, right, is that I, if I had to say, if I had to say my religious beliefs, you know, gun to my head, I would say, I guess I'm an atheist, right? But I don't say that proudly. I'm not someone who I, who identifies as an atheist per se. I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, I've, I've read the God delusion and I don't follow the opiate of the sheeple. You know, I just like, <laughs> I just don't have any religion. I never grew up with any religion whatsoever. I don't, I'd like, you know, I'd say to dad, like, Oh, what happens when you die? Like, why are we here? And Dad would be like, I don't know. <laughs> Just eat some ham. Just have some fucking ham. He was, he was religious about ham, if anything. In the summertime, the ham season, when the ham arrived, he'd like get it out and he'd put it on the chopping block and he'd, he'd be slicing off pieces of ham in the hot summer sun, like big wedges with his cleaver and then mum would ring the bell and just be like, hog on, hog on! And then all the kids, we'd come out, there's like 20 of us and we'd come out of the shed in our muck sacks, you know, when you're tan and you don't have legs yet and you still got those flippers and you sort of, and we'd flip out in our muck sacks and mum would be like, don't you get your muck on my floor. And I'm like, I'm covered in muck, mum, I live in muck. So I'm an atheist, is what I'm saying. But I, but I don't identify as an atheist. I don't have anything in common with other atheists. I hate other atheists. I, people who are atheists. People who are atheists, they're like, oh, I've got an anime body pillow. I study the blade. And one of my favourite activities is I love to go into the, bi uh, to the library and put the Bible in the fiction section. <laughs> Like, I'm an atheist, but I hate atheists in the same way that I'm a fan of the band Tool. I don't know if anyone is a fan of the progressive rock band Tool, but I'm a fan of the band Tool, but I don't, I hate everyone who likes the band Tool. You never want to meet a Tool fan, you know, white guy with dreadlocks going, hey, I'd love to tell you about the Fibonacci sequence. And I'm definitely, I'm definitely a lefty if that's not. <laughs> If that's not obvious <laughs> with my rant on Commonwealth Bank. But I, I am definitely a lefty. I, I, I've been described as a rabid lefty before. To give you an idea of how much of a lefty I am, the last solo stand-up show I did, at the end of the show, a giant communist banner dropped from the roof with just like Lenin, Marx and Stalin, you know, the boys. And then I like saluted while the Soviet national anthem played. And it was an ironic joke. Like I'm not... like. It was an ironic joke in the context of the show for fun, fun purposes. But then because I keep all my props and all my stuff from my show, now I have this giant communist banner hanging up in my house. And I will admit that like all through the pandemic, like there's been my darker moments. I sort of look at Stalin and go, ah. maybe one gulag, you know, like just try it. <laughs> but no, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a fucking communist. He wants to kill everyone. I'm not, but I'm like, I'm a lefty, right? And I hate other lefties. Oh, and lefties, admit it, we are the worst. I'm putting myself in that. I'm putting myself in that. We are the worst. We, oh, we just go on about everything. Like, if you say on Twitter, I hate Hitler, a lefty will be like, hmm, what about Mussolini? Huh, see, huh? Like, it's just... <laughs> 
It's like we just nothing's ever good enough. Like I and I, I've engaged in a little bit of political satire in my time. Um, I don't know if anyone has seen the familiar with the ABC show Tonightly. Oh, a few people. That's why I was cancelled. Um, that works better when no one says anything, which is most shows. Um, but like I've done political satire, you know, and I've written sort of political satirical articles, comedy political satirical articles, you know, clever comedy. You know, stuff like, oh, Malcolm Turnbull, more like a Malcolm Turncoat. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I don't like, I, it's not that I don't like doing it, I just get worried because I get in trouble from other lefties who agree with everything I've said completely, but there's one little thing about what I've said that they don't like. And a perfect example, right, I wrote an article about Alan Jones, conservative shock jock Alan Jones. And I opened the article, the opening sentence of the article was, Alan Jones is a shit cunt. <laughs> and I, like, I was happy with that as a s opening salvo. I thought that made my feelings clear. I thought it was funny, I thought it was good. I thought, what a great writer I am. <laughs> Took the day off. And then uh, someone at the publication I was writing for, someone higher up than me, sort of came back to me with an email and said, you can't say that Alan Jones is a shit cunt. You can't say that. I'm like, why? Like, we're you know, we're allowed to swear in this thing. Th and he's like, no, 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 it's not that. You're a man, you can't say cunt. Like, that is misogynist. It's misogynist for you to call someone a shit cunt. And in the moment that he told me that, I immediately felt like I had become 65 years old and was posting in a Facebook group called Save Australia. Because I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is political correctness gone mad. If I can't say shit cunt, we are getting shipped off to the gulags. Like, this is the fucking first step. Shit cunt is part of my culture. I'm from Queensland. What are you talking about? <laughs> World are we living in? But I, 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 I finally relented and I went, you know what? You know what? I, like, I can't argue this point. I am not the arbiter of what is or is not misogynist. And I didn't want it to detract from the article. I didn't want to offend anyone. You know, other than Alan Jones, obviously. I want him to fucking, you know. But, like, I... <laughs> he's a bad guy. And so I... <laughs> but I, like... I finally changed it, right? And all I did was I literally just wrote... Because, like, fuckhead's not funny. Like, it's, 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 there's an art to this thing that we do. <laughs> this thing of ours that we do. Tony Pepperoni. Um, <laughs> and... and, and my craft taught me the skill of writing different swear words <laughs> in a line and then drawing lines between different swear words to try and find the funniest mismatch swear word. And finally, I just settled on shit dick. And I thought, <laughs> that was funny. I thought that's a comedy K in that. That's how you make award-nominated comedy. And I, <laughs> I said, Alan Jones is a shit dick. And I was cool with it. And then I published it. My editor was cool with it. Everyone was cool with it. It was published. There we go. And then I got in trouble almost immediately. I got Twitter mentions, I got Twitter DMs. I defended quite a few people because I didn't know this, I genuinely didn't know this. Shit dick can be considered a homophobic slur. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, now I'm in trouble and I'm like, fuck, I was just trying to put two funny swear words together. And everyone's like, nah, you're like, people are real mad at me. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like in my defense too, in my defense, as I say, I did grow up in Queensland. And when I was in Queensland, I was a goth. In my younger days, I was a hardcore goth, G-A-F, goth as fuck. And I, as we say in the business, and I... And, like, and just a side note too, if you think you've been through some shit, try being a goth in Queensland. <laughs> try walking a mile in those knee-high, black leather, studded army boots. Just the humidity alone, your fucking makeup's running, the fucking trench coat, it's brutal. And I'd heard every... In my time, in my youth, I'd heard, I thought I'd heard every homophobic slur shouted at me from cars with 4X bottles whizzing past my head. I'd never heard that one, honestly. Maybe it's just a regional thing. And the other thing I would say in my defence as well is I've sucked, like, heaps of guys' dicks. Like, I have. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I have. Like, not heaps, but a few. Like, I'm not... Like, I, like I'm, I'm a straight... Well, but I... I'm mostly straight. But, yeah, sometimes I'll look up gay porn as a treat. You know, who doesn't? Grow up. Who doesn't? 
Like, yeah, I once lived with a German guy for like six months and kind of, like, he was just a backpacker, he was just a housemate, but I kind of fell in love with him a bit, I don't know, and then he moved back to Germany and then I went to uni and I studied sociology, but I thought I might also study German, actually, that's a really beautiful language, and then I went to Germany and sort of hung out with him and stuff and nothing happened, it's fine. I... <laughs> I got a $30,000 hex debt because I wanted to fuck a bloke. Like, surely I can say shit dick one time. Like, I get a pass. I never talk about that. I never talk, I never talk about my sexuality at all. Um, I think, you know, partly because I feel weird about it. I feel weird about talking about it because it's like, I, yeah, I'm definitely, like, I feel, like, just straight-ish. You know, I'm like, I'm culturally, I'm very straight. On a cultural level, I love straight man stuff. Oh, I love straight man stuff. I love straight man stuff. I love just mowing a lawn. I love cooking up a bit of flathead. Or just sitting down and having a think. You know, like just thinking about some stuff. You know, just straight man. But like, and I, I don't, I, like when I was in my goth days, I did used to sort of refer to myself as bisexual. I don't really refer to myself as anything anymore, but I don't feel like... Like I feel like I don't meet the cutoff, you know. Like I'm like oh, I don't want to call myself queer because it's like, is there a cutoff, you know? Because re- it's like an eighty twenty split. Like it's I'm mostly attracted to women, and it's like an eighty twenty split. It's like, and isn't everybody a bit gay? Like I don't know. Like maybe I don't know. Is there a cutoff? Like are you allowed to call yourself queer and also own a lot of cargo pants and listen to death metal? <laughs> you know. You say yes. Well, tell that to the bouncer at the Wickham Hotel in Brisbane, because. <laughs> Because this is true, this is true, like years and years and years ago, in my, in my goth days, in my gaff uh, days, I remember saying to a friend of mine, and my friend was like a sort of, he was like a sort of old school looking English punk dude, he was literally English, and he, you know, like the big mohawk and everything, the whole thing, and he was a straight man, and I, I didn't know any queer people, and I remember saying to him, like, oh, I'm thinking about going to this gay bar, because I think I'm bisexual, and I, I kind of want to go, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come with you, like, and so we went there together, right, me and my friend, and... We get to the, the place, it's called the Wickham Hotel in Brisbane, and when we rock up, the bouncer immediately goes, I don't know what you boys are doing, but this is not your scene, okay? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And he's like, come on, like, we don't put serve Bundy and rum on tap here. Just, like, this is a gay bar, like, it's a safe space. Like, this is not your scene. Just don't make a fuss. Like, just move on. And I was really, like, you know... I was too nervous to sort of say anything because I was nervous going there because I was like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? And this was it. Like, everyone was looking at us and I was like, oh, okay. But here's the thing, right? Because he said, like, this isn't your scene. And I was like, well, it kind of isn't my scene. It wasn't my scene for sure. It was not like, you know, they were listening to Kylie Minogue and stuff. That's not my jam. They were like, you know, there were guys in there and they looked like proper men from the movies. You know, like they had like haircuts. You know, they were like, oh, we've paid money for a haircut. And like... No, no one had like gross dreads that their mum had made, you know. Like they, were <laughs> so guys wearing like Calvin Klein jeans and stuff. And I was like, that's not my scene. I just kind of left, right? And, it, and, it, and it, at the time, it felt bad and I felt excluded. But here's the thing, and I want to say this to be very clear: I'm not saying that there's a problem at all in any way, shape, or form with the queer community. There's no problem with the queer community or with that specific bar or even with that specific bouncer. There's no problem with any of that, right? The problem in this story. The reason I was included, the problem is with capitalism. <laughs> and I just want to have a little rap session with you about a fellow named Karl Marx, right? Because he was a wild guy, had some crazy ideas. Um, <laughs> but seriously, strap in. Um, <laughs> no, but there is, um, did someone break a glass over here? That's cool. <laughs> I, why did I bring it up? Like I was just like, does someone break a glass? And then like, what am I going to say to that? It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> that is cool. Um, it's fucking anarchy, dude. Like I love it. Um, <laughs> now, but here's the thing, right? Marxists would say, Marxists would say that in under capitalism, your entire identity is based around what you purchase, the products that you purchase. They would argue that your subculture, your gender, your ethnicity, your sexuality, everything about ourselves is defined more than anything by the products that we purchase. For example, if I wanted to go to that specific bar, I needed the Kylie Minogue CD, I needed the Calvin Klein jeans. They start kids young, training, you know, baby Chino, get a candy cigarette, that's for you, like that's your thing. Like, 
If you're a punk, you got to buy the Doc Martens. You've got to buy the hair gel to spike your hair up. If you're a woman, you've got to buy Maybelline. You've got to buy makeup. Otherwise, your femininity is called into question. If you're a man, you've got to buy wraparound sunnies. You've got to buy a BCF hat. <laughs> you've got to buy a ute. You've got to buy a sticker that goes in the back of your ute that says, I wish I was out fishing and that my whole family were dead. You know, like... <laughs> you got to buy stuff to fit in. And... That's the Marxist interpretation for why I wasn't let into the Wickham Hotel <laughs> that night. The other potential interpretation is that I was technically wearing a T-shirt that did feature an image of a man being dismembered by goblins. Um, <laughs> it was a bank or cannibal corpse. I don't know they had a policy about not having dismembered intestines on the shirt. I didn't know that. I did have like really gross like dreadlocks and my, my friend he had a, like a big mohawk and he had a shirt with a giant skull in it that said beat the bastards. Um, we did look very threatening and also yes I was underage with a fake ID and I had a full bladder of goons stuffed down my pants. I was going to crab walk it in smoking a rolling on. Yeah can I get in the gay bar dude? So Who's to say why I wasn't let in? You know, like, who's to say? <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, like, I just don't have any... I, I, am, that, I am that fucking stereotype. I'm that stereotype of that, the, the white, angry loner. And I don't really feel like... I don't really feel like I identify as, as much... I, I, I certainly don't... You know, I don't think about my sexuality at all. I just, like, I don't think about my sexuality much because, like, honestly, that's not what I think about. For, like, once every three days, I'm like, oh, I might do a cum. And then I'm just back to thinking about how <laughs> what, the world sucks and we're all going to die. Like, <laughs> it, it, the only thing I identify as is sad, fat man with crippling existential dread. You know, like, that's <laughs> my identity. And I don't talk about... I never talk about my sexuality because... I think partly because I don't want anyone to think of me sexually. At all. I don't, I don't want people to think that I have sexual thoughts or sexual feelings in any way, shape or form. I don't want to be thought of full stop. Like, I don't want people to think of me. I just want to live in, like, a hessian bag in the river and just, like, sit in the river and the water's up to here and I'm just in the river and then people walk past and kids will look at me and they go, who's that man? Mum, it's like, oh, that's just a river man. Just leave him. Just... Maybe they'll spit in my mouth and I'll be like, oh, thank you, sir. Ah. And I don't like, and the other thing is too, the, the thing that makes me feel weird about talking about my sexuality is that I know, I know this for a fact, I know for a fact there will be a comedian's group chat somewhere. <laughs> there will. And because I never talk about this, right? And I, I think there'll be a comedian's group chat somewhere where there's a comedian going, hey, did you hear that Greg said he was bisexual in his latest comedy show? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> been in a relationship with a woman for as long as I've known him. <laughs> Pretty convenient. Looks like someone's going for some Screen Australia funding. <laughs> <laughs> and they are right. I <laughs> can hear the comics in the back laughing at that one. <laughs> They know that's true. I <laughs> no, but I'm I'm a piece of shit. I'm like a grubby little s big yuck man. I <laughs> I'm a bad. I think I'm, a, I'm I think I'm a pretty bad person. <laughs> I I like I don't like I'm I, like I, I as I say like I am progressive or lefty or whatever you want to say like politically. But I think a lot of that is just because I fucking hate conservatives so much, and like the Proud Boys and the Nazis and the the alt-right and all that, I hate their fucking guts. And I hate the way... like And, like, I feel like I'm in their pipeline, for sure. I'm exactly their demographic. <laughs> big, big white guy with opinions who's always playing video games. They want me. They're like, come here, come on. Join us, dude. We'd love you. And I know they want me because all my YouTube-recommended videos are always Jordan Peterson destroys. Like, they want me on their team. And I feel like I could almost be sucked into it. I could almost be sucked into it if they weren't factually wrong about everything. Like, they're literally wrong. Like they're like, like, they're like, oh, climate change, it's not real. Yes, it is. It's provably real. Like, it's a real thing that's happening. Like, oh, COVID-19, it's, it's all made up hoax. No, it's not. It's really happening. Like, oh, Peter Dutton doesn't drink baby's blood. Yes, he does. Like, he clearly does do it. Like... 
But and, and the things they go on about, I just don't like. I don't care. I don't care. The stuff they get angry about, they're like, oh, there's like kids wearing dresses in primary school. Who gives a shit? I don't give a fuck. Like, why would I care about that? They're like trying. They're trying to get me in in my ear, just like constantly trying to get in my ear, trying to convince me of things. And the one thing they go on about in the world that we live in now, they're constantly going on about how transgender people are somehow a threat to me or a threat to our society. And they're just in my ear going, transgender people, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there just like, dude, what the fuck are you on about? I'm trying to pay my rego. Like, I got stress. <laughs> I got stress in my life. What's the problem here? <laughs> and that's the thing. I can't, un- I can't for the life of me actually understand what their fucking problem is. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm just like, you try and hear them out. You try and hear out these conservatives when they talk about trans people. Like, and it's just, it doesn't make any sense. They're like, what's the actual problem? What's the problem that's happening right now that we need to solve? And they're like, oh, trans people, they're, they're bloody running in races. And they're going into, like, a public toilet and they're pooping in the toilet. And then, like... And you're supposed to have certain kind of genitals for a toilet and they're... No one's checking their jennies. Like, no one's checking their jennies. It's like, first of all, just ban public toilets. Just get rid of public toilets. I'm against public toilets as a concept altogether. I hate them. I don't know if you've ever had a job in an office, but there's a room in an office, a toilet, a public toilet, where people in a professional setting will just go and sit next to each other and just do shits. They're in a workplace and it's professional and they're just doing shits next to each other and there's just plywood and it only goes to here. It only goes to here and they're cool with it and they just do shits next to each other and then they walk around and they're like, yeah, but you're still going to wear a tie. Like, you're going to wear a tie. Your boss will come up to you being like, oh, have you got those reports for my desk? Can you pull those? And I'm like, I've heard what it sounds like when your asshole opens up and shit comes out of it. We're all just monkeys in a zoo. Nothing matters. And then then you got people like me, right? Idiots like me. Comedians, media personalities, talking heads. Someone is like, oh, I've got an opinion and a microphone. Here's what I reckon. And, and like, you got your Dave Chappelle's of the world or your J.K. Rowling's of the world, right? The people that are out there going, oh, no, we need to talk about gender and actually define what it is. Um, it's important, like, a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and we have to talk about it. First of all, you don't have to talk about shit because you don't know what you're talking about. You wrote a book about hizzle puffs and bizzle bobs. <laughs> what the fuck do you know about gender or anything? Like, what is, why the fuck am I listening to you? Why would, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not qualified to talk on it. I don't know what a chromosome is. I don't know what hormones are. I don't know what gender is as a concept. I don't know what it is. I'm just fucking... I didn't study biology. I studied German. We've been over that, right? (laughs) I just know that I'm not qualified and it doesn't affect me at all. If someone says I'm a woman, cool, you're a woman. Like, what's the... It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't affect me in any way, shape or form. And then conservatives will have the same joke that they go to over and over again. They have one single joke that they think eliminates the whole argument, right? Where they take an inanimate object, they'll take any inanimate object, and then they'll go, hmm. Well, uh, if men identify as women and women identify as men, then I'll tell you what, I identify as a Boeing 747. (laughs) Where's that on the form, leftist? It's like, first of all, I'm a comedian. I will donate my time to help you write one more joke. (laughs) Second of all, that kind of proves my point. Because if you do identify as a Boeing 747, what the fuck do I care? I got fucking debts. I got bills. I don't give a shit. I'll call you Jumbo. It's fine. (laughs) But I... (laughs) But I just like I feel, and there there is like definitely there is definitely a, a rise in terms of like Nazis and Proud Boys and National Party members, you know, like there's <laughs> <laughs> there's a real rise in like in in actual fascists in the world and people that are like genuinely like we're fascists and we're gonna kill you. And there's a lot of them out there. And it seems like there's more. And, and maybe it just seems like there's more to me because they're sending me a lot of messages. <laughs> they do. They send me a lot of messages. They send me a lot of, like... It, and it'll always be the same kind of death threat, right? It'll always come from an account that has... It'll always be, like, a Ned Kelly profile picture or Peter Griffin for some reason. 
and then it'll just be like Jake three one two one like all these numbers, and then they'll just say like, "Oh, squeal, piggy boy, <laughs> fucking piggy boy, I want to hold you down and get a belt sander on your back and grind that belt sander over and listen to your fucking pig squeals, piggy." That was a real one I got, and <laughs> I, they always call me piggy boy, and I I always think like, how do they know I'm a ham man? You know, like how do they know? <laughs> I know I follow the pig. <laughs> but I, I feel like, I mean, I'd say I'm not scared of them, but I'm 100% scared of them. I'm always peering through the cracks at my show. Like I see a bald head and I'm like, they're fucking coming. Um, <laughs> coming to get me. But like, I'm, I, I feel like I know how to deal with those kind of people. And I mean, the, specifically the Proud Boys, the bigots, the fascists, whoever. Right? Now, I'll tell you by way of an anecdote. I, I years ago, was walking through fortitude valley in brisbane again in my full goth days you know i was very very goth it was a lot more clearer that i was at least half gay you know what i mean like i was i was wearing a i was wearing a black dress i was wearing a long black dress i was wearing like army boots i was wearing you know uh, fishnet stockings on my arms and on my legs and i had like long black hair makeup i had a sisters of mercy t-shirt on over the top um I had a few little giggles there. I looked pretty fucking cool, actually. Um, <laughs> the Dark Lord himself, you know, nail polish and everything. And I was, and I was a lot thinner then too. And just not relevant, but I want you to know. And <laughs> I was walking through Fortitude Valley, and looking like a, a goth king. And I, I walked. I was walking along, and this guy came up to me, right. And what he said was really full on as a warning, right. He came up to me, and he. He looked me in the eye and he got real staunch and just clenching his fist and he goes, look at you, you fucking faggot. Like, look at you. You look fucking s disgusting. You make me sick. And he was like f viscerally hateful, right? And I remember sort of being in that situation and I think a lot of people wonder what to do. Not just in that exact situation, but when faced with hate, whether it's in real life or online or whatever, like, like do you, you know, do you call it out? Do you, do you use your words? Do you try and engage in a battle of wits? You know, do you... Do you turn the other cheek? Do you say, like, I, I, you hate me, but I love you? You know, like, what do you do in that situation? And I felt that in that situation, at least, in that moment, I just sort of felt like, you know what? I just, I almost pity him. And I just felt like, I'm just going to be the bigger man here. You know, I'm just going to be the bigger man and just rise above it. You know, like, just be the bigger man and rise above. And I guess when I say that, I mean that in a, a pretty literal sense because he stood up to about here on me. And when I hit him, I went down like that. <laughs> down and then he just like it worked really well like that's the thing that people don't talk about enough in our society i felt like it was a very elegant solution to a complex social problem you know what i mean like he was saying all this horrible stuff and then he wasn't he just literally wasn't saying it anymore it was literally how we got rid of hitler like it was that same principle like it was and people say oh hang on hang on oh you know he shouldn't use violence you should never use violence you can't just use violence well he was clearly about to use violence that was going to happen and people will say no but you can't stoop to his level you can't fight fire with fire you can it's called backburning it's literally the most effective firefighting technique we have people <laughs> Like, we don't live in this world where you say words to someone and they're like, oh, you got me, oh, no. And then everyone claps and then someone shakes your hand and it turns out it was Bernie Sanders. We don't live in that world. People with the pen is not mightier than the sword. I'm from Queensland. I just say, talk shit, get hit. Hit them, fucking gulag, fucking anti-vaxxers. Just muzzle them up. Just muzzle them. Just like a sheep in a... I guess the point of this show... <laughs> the point of this show is that I have depression, right? Like, I have bad depression. Bad, big time. Whoa, it's crazy. Like, I went to the doctor and I filled out the form for how depressed you are to go on a mental health plan. And the doctor literally went, oh, like that. Like, and then they, like, picked up the form, like, oh, hot one, like, coming through. Like, it's, it's true. Like, I'm in, a, I'm in a mental health plan for my depression and my anxiety. I've got the d double trouble. And I, and it's good because you think going to a psychologist is going to be like the Sopranos where you're talking about your mother and you're talking about all the big issues. But it's actually someone printing out a form with all these things you can do to be happy. And then the top of the form, it says like beating the blues. And then it's got a little saxophone, like a clip art. <laughs> and that's... And that's true, I literally got like a list of like a hundred things you can do to, like things you can do to just be happy in the moment. And, but then like it was wild because it was like 49 was like, 
rub some moisturiser on your hand. I'm not, I'm not getting nothing out of that. It's not helping me at all. Now I'm just greasy and I don't want this. And then like number 50 was look at a tree. I'm fucking depressed. I'm just walking around like, wait, what are you trying to look at a tree? That's not helping me. And then number 51, I shit you not. I quote, I'm quoting this, fly a plane. Going from zero to a thousand real quick there. Like, look at a tree. I don't know. Fly a fucking plane. I don't have a plane. I'm depressed. Don't put me behind the wheel of a plane. So like, I'm, I'm depressed is what I'm saying. And everything I've said tonight, everything I've said tonight is coloured by that fact. So like, maybe don't listen to any of it. Because I'm just a depressed man who loves to ramble my bloody thoughts on stage. That's what all comedians are. I mean, like every comedian, I'm just someone who made a career out of sliding around the ground covered in oil. And then, and like, and people who didn't laugh, look, Google Mr. Oily, that's a real thing. <laughs> um, but like, I, I literally just made a career out of making fart sounds and covering myself in oil. Then suddenly I realised, oh, hey, everyone's looking at me. I wonder if they want to hear my thoughts on capitalism. <laughs> it's this broken mind of someone in the entertainment industry, you know? Like, I, everything I've said is, is probably bullshit because, like, I mean, the, the guy, like, I hit that guy. I did hit that guy. I absolutely did. He had five mates and they kicked the shit out of me. They fucking kicked the shit out of me. Yeah, it is funny. Um, <laughs> that was one of them. Um, no, they did. I got the shit kicked out of me. I had to go to hospital that night. I've been to hospital before. I've been beaten up a lot in my life and... Every, every time I've either hit them first or told them to fuck off and every time I've come up second best I'm, I mean yeah I'm a big guy but I'm a big guy because I drink custard you know like not <laughs> all that stuff I said about like how lockdown was better than work I mean yeah if you hate your fucking job like I hated all my jobs and if you have depression I mean yeah I once put my hand through a ceiling fan to get a day off work that's psycho that's like actual depression. I, uh, it's fucked when I laugh at that and no one else does. <laughs> but I, yeah, and everything I said to you about like debt collectors and how you just shouldn't pay your debts, just don't pay your debts and then nothing bad will ever happen. That's absolutely accurate. That you can, <laughs> I promise you, you can not pay your debts and nothing will happen and that is financial advice. <laughs> I, I'm giving you financial advice. So that's, one possibility for the end of this show. I gotta go, but I. <laughs> the other possibility for the, the the point of this show and the end of this show is that is that I'm actually not someone with mental illness. I'm not a raving lunatic, and everything I've said is actually pretty accurate because existence itself really is a horrible waking nightmare. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like I feel like you know that might be true. I just want you to acknowledge that that's a possibility at least. Because I think, think about this, right? Think about this. When a baby is born, they are crying. They come out crying. That's our instinctive reaction to existence. Is to scream and cry. Like, a, you've never seen a baby born laughing. You know, like a baby has never come out just like... <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucked. Like... No parent has ever been kept up at night by the joyous laughter of their three-month-old. No one's ever been like, oh, she's just laughing all through the night. We learn to laugh, but crying, that comes natural, right? And the other day, I was in a park. I was looking at a tree. And, and next to me was a crying baby, right? Not loose, like the mum was there. And, and this baby was crying and the mum was comforting her baby and evidently nothing specifically was wrong. The baby didn't need to be changed or fed or anything like that. Nothing wrong. The baby was just crying as babies sometimes do. And as mum comforted her baby, she said some words that I've heard parents say before to a crying child. She said, oh, sweetheart, I know. I know, sweetheart, I know. And I just remember thinking, what do you know? <laughs> You know, like, what are you really saying in that moment when you say, I, I know, I know? Like, what, what are you really saying? You think about it. It's like, what do you... The mum's like, oh, sweetheart, I know, I know. Nothing makes sense. 
literally nothing makes sense. You're just crying because you feel overwhelmed by existence. You didn't exist and now you do. You didn't have thoughts and feelings and now you have them all. And you don't know how, what to think or what to feel. You feel alone and afraid. I know, sweetheart. You're always going to feel alone and afraid. That's the thing. You're always, there's never going to be a moment where someone goes, oh, this is what it's all about. Nah, you're just going to feel alone and afraid. And you're going to try and do things in your life to not feel alone and afraid. I mean, that's why mummy had you. You know, like, you're going to try and... Well, you're going to try and fit in with other people. You're going to try and have friends and people you fit in with, a group you fit in with maybe, to not feel alone and afraid. But then, in order to fit in with them, you're going to have to buy some shit. You're going to have to buy some stuff, sweetheart, I know. And in order to buy stuff, you're going to have to get a job. And then you're going to have to go to a place that you hate every day with a guy that smells a bit like gravy. <laughs> and you're going to have to go in there and then one day your boss is going to lean over your shoulder and go, hey, I've been timing how long you take on the toilet. <laughs> and it's going to be awful and you're going to hate your life, you're going to hate your job and then one day a global pandemic will happen. A global pandemic will bring the world to its knees and you're going to be scared. You're going to be more scared than you've ever been. But then when you think about it, looking back, that was the best two years of your life. That was a time when it felt like things were changing all of a sudden. Suddenly the world was different. We're all building Spoonvilles. We're all in this together. And then it was not back to the office, back to the grind, back to the job you hate for shit money where you worked and worked until finally you retired with no superannuation and spent your last days in an underfunded aged care home until another pandemic hit and you died. I know, sweetheart, I know. I know. But cheer up. Because I'm going to get you a baby Chino. The Greg Larson Show. The big unit is ready to go. The Greg Larson Show. Muck around on the Mazapan. A fresh cousin in his hand. The greatest podcast in all the land. 